And we are, we're not live, we're recording. Uh, welcome to April the 19th, 2021, Canarycast. Janet Anstrom in the mountains. First of all, are we, at, are we at an anniversary? I'm sure this almost dates back to our very first COVID cast as it was a year ago. We're probably around about our anniversary. I'm going to have to look up, aren't I? When we started this, I can't actually remember now, but it, it's going to be about a year, isn't it? Yeah. Hello, everybody. And happy anniversary to us, if it is our anniversary. <laughs> yes. <I'm> <laughs> happy anniversary, Janet. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> and if not, it's soon. It is. It's around now. Yeah. yeah. A year. Wow. Well, it is. We didn't know whether we do it for a couple of months. Did we said we'd go for a couple of months and then people seem to be interested <laughs> in what we had to say, you know? Yeah. Funny, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, I mean, like we, there could, we could wander down memory lane and get lost in the highways <laughs> and byways and be here forever just talking about, do you remember when we said? But we won't. Yes, I remember 2020, March 2020. That, oh, that was COVID, wasn't it? What about April 2020? Yes, that was COVID as well, May. Yes, June. <laughs> the year of living COVIDly. In, indeed. Listen, the main, main topic today, there's kind of only one thing that's in our post boxes, isn't there, more or less? Well, there's two, there's one or two. But in general, we're going to talk about vaccinations. But can I go through, can I get one question in first? So, and it kind of, it's, it's important to me because I want to be, people to know this podcast isn't just for British people who live here, it's for everybody who doesn't Absolutely. speak Spanish maybe. So I yeah. actually got a message from Susan Jordan, who's an Irish resident, lives here in Adeje. Um, and she loves our podcast. Thank you, Susan. Thank you for liking us. But she said, she's kind of saying, you know, basically with Brexit, with people talking about TIEs and with the stopping of people by police now and then during the pandemic, she suddenly was curious about whether her residencia needed ever to be renewed. Now, like myself, Susan has been a resident of longer, of, of longer than five years. So she, I have my, I went and checked my own green piece of paper. Um, and it, what it states is the date that it was issued. So this is really important. So if you count five years from the date that it was officially issued, and if it is, if, if date of issue plus five is in the past, if you know what I mean, you're a permanent resident and basically you're fine and it doesn't need to be renewed. That's more or less correct, isn't it, Janet? Absolutely. That is totally correct. It is a, it is a, fact of a principle of EU law that anybody living within the EU must register if the country they're living in requires them to register but once they've done so they can only ever be made to do so once once and okay. so therefore once and it's another principle of the EU principle of residence law that once you've been somewhere living legally for five years you automatically um, acquire the status of permanencia. Okay, perfect. And so nobody has been. This is this is these two principles are the reason that we've always told people if you have a certificate of registro, the green bit of paper or the little green card, if you have one of those, you do not need to exchange it for one that says permanente when yeah. you are five years because you never need to re-register. Yeah. You can if you want to, but you don't have to. Yeah, and that's why. 
And it is, can we just confirm, it is only people who are British passport holders that need to change to a TIE card. So any other, well, if you are a member of a European country, so anyone who's Irish or German or French or Belgian, that we continue to be green paper holders. I mean, I yes, must say, I, I lived here when, when we used to have the old style residency cards and I liked having a little credit card style residency. Oh, yeah, so that's beside the point, yeah. I mean. Yeah. But are we it, don't it is, it is one advantage. It wasn't it's, it's one advantage right now that I've actually got a little plastic card again and yeah. I, I missed that when we had to exchange the green certificates, whether it's the credit card sized, whether it's the A4 bit of paper, whether mm -hmm. it says permanent or not, is people know it as residentia or a green near, but in fact it's a certificate of registro. Yeah. Yeah. Certificate of registro, moreover, of a citizen of the European Union. Exactly. And therefore, when the UK was in the EU, British nationals were given these certificates, like every other European country national who registers with the police because they're living in Spain, they get a, an EU certificate, and that's mm -hmm. what registro is. Once the even UK if... left the EU, obviously, those certificates needed to be exchanged um, for the TIA, which is a card given to third country nationals, exactly. which the UK now is. And, and I mean, the, the follow up question from Susan was even, for instance, if you changed your address and therefore had to change your, your green piece of paper because you had a new address on it, it takes into account the number of years that you have been resident here. It's not like you're re-registering. So I mean, just because you've changed no, your address right. doesn't mean that the, the count back starts again. So you are legitimately no, resident here. Absolutely. It's the original date of registration, which is noted on the certificate, and you, we are obliged by law to notify the circumstances because it's a registration of our residence. So our name, if we change our name, if we change our address, we have to tell them. Yeah. But um, apart from that, that's not a re-registration, that's just updating details which have changed. Okay. Now, just... Yeah. Another Irish person has an issue, um, and again, it'll bring us nicely into the vaccination question, because they are here, they own property, so they're here on a long stay holiday in their 80s, so they're not a, red, they're not a resident, and they're not interested, they don't need, they don't want to be on the Padron, but they just can't go back to Ireland at the moment because of travel restrictions, but they need or want a vaccination. They are an EHIC cardholder, EHIC as we refer to it, which is the European Health Insurance Card. Now, that ostensibly says that if you are in another European country, you are entitled to the same public health care as the citizens of that country. So the family have been in touch with me. So I said, OK, well, let's see if the person who holds this card therefore has the right to a vaccination. And they don't. So the EHIC card, as I've been told by the Irish Consular Office, doesn't give you automatic right to a vaccination. But what we're hoping it can do, and I can update this next week, is because this woman is not resident but on holidays, I hope that in this instance, she might be eligible for a alta temporal, so that I'm, you know, she might hopefully would be able to go to the local health centre yeah. and say, long-term holiday, I have my health insurance card, I am an Irish citizen, and let's see what happens because there is so much confusion, Janet, about the vaccine issue. And it gets, it seems to get less clear every week. 
because we've said this before, there's a group of us who have been working on this for four or five weeks. And the more information we get, the less clear it becomes. It is a ridiculous situation. There's no other word for it. It's absolutely ridiculous. Going to, first of all, deal with this particular person, the Irish couple of their vaccines and they can't get back to, the, to Ireland. It, to me, it, it actually doesn't matter whether we're talking about a new hick or the new G hick. The overriding message I've got back, the overwhelming number of um, INTVNTs that have responded in, in this particular regard have said that an alter temporal or an alter provisional, which is a temporary registration, specifically for the purposes of um, something like a vaccine or, wh or where you're ill, it is specifically only for a situation involving an EHIC that you can actually get an alter provisional. Mm -hmm. So they are encouraging some people to to do this who have an EHIC or now the GHIC coming online in the UK as well. If you are in Spain and you want the vaccine, then you might be able, you should be able to go to your local health sur surgery and register and ask for a temporary registration for the purposes of getting the vaccine. That means if you can do it, you will then be put on the list ready for the vaccine. The only question to my mind is then whether you are still in Tenerife by the time your slot comes out. Because you know, that's a possibility. You'll be, be slotted into then. your age cohort. Yeah, exactly. And you know, if you're if you're in your 80s, you're not going to be getting a Z. Therefore, it's going to be Pfizer, Moderna, possibly Janssen in due course. It, but the time uh, chances are these people might have gone home anyway, but it is a theoretical possibility for them to do this. Now, the, the group for whom it is not a theoretical possibility are those with private medical insurance, not in the state system. They seem to have fallen through every gap in the canaries that exists. Nobody What's for resident here? Absolutely. They're resident. They have private health insurance. And I, I just want to make a point here, actually. They are being ignored because the national government has told them to speak to their insurers. The insurance companies are saying nothing to do with us. We don't want to know, basically. The regional governments in Spain are reacting in different ways. Some are saying there's no good going through the insurance companies, nothing is going to happen with them. So therefore, we're going to do a temporary registration system just for the purpose of the vaccine. Others are saying we have already got such a system. Others are taking from Padron information. There are now about seven or eight regions of Spain for which the Foreign Office has been able to clarify information where these people, this group of people, private patients, not in the state system, resident here, can actually access the vaccine. And yet in the Canaries, there is no system with the Canarian government saying, well, the national government says, speak to your insurers. Yeah. Yeah. So here they have fallen into this sort of pit where we have people, for example, now in their 80s who are being overtaken by people in their 50s, people with vulnerable conditions in their 70s, mm -hmm. not able to get the vaccine while healthy people in their 60s are getting it and the only crime they've committed is to be wealthy enough to afford private medical insurance to me that's discrimination so because they 
because they're in a, they're in a country that does not require them to be registered in the um, the health system. It's not a legal requirement. The no. only legal requirement for registration is the police. And when you register with the police, if you're not in the state health system, they require you to have private insurance. These people have followed the law to the letter. Mm -hmm. And they're in a country that wants them to have the vaccine. They want the vaccine. There is absolutely no good reason that these people can't access the vaccine. And the only thing to my mind that seems to be stopping them is the Canarian government has no system, whereas other parts of Spain have managed to develop a system to allow them to access. So just to clarify a point, because we have both received requests from people. I mean, I dealt with a request from someone who said, can you talk to the mayor, please? Because, you know, we wish to avail of the vaccine. I contacted the mayor's office and I was told, or it was confirmed to me. Uh, and I also spoke to the health councillor for Adeje, who went on our behalf and spoke to the regional health service to confirm that councils are not involved in choosing who is getting the vaccination. So the, your local... That is correct. Now, some councils might have decided to intervene. I don't know how or who or why. But as a rule, as the way the vaccine is being rolled out, it is not within the control of the councils at all. We had heard that certain, right. certain people were saying, no, well, because I might be a private health insurance patient, but because I'm on the padron, it would appear, therefore, I have been called for my vaccination. Now, these are concrete examples. We've heard of people telling us this. But here in Adeje, for instance, there is no working link between the council and the vaccination rollout. And that is 100% definite. Yeah, it, it isn't just Okay, I, I put a fair bit of work into this over the past couple of weeks and um, posted in the end an absolute conclusion. I didn't do that until I had the evidence that I needed. The simple fact is the overwhelming response has been the councils have no part to play in this by, by system. Yes. They have no mechanism to be involved in it. The, reg the regional government has quite explicitly said that to me, that the reason the councils might be perceived to play a role is, for example, if under certain restrictions and measures, maybe level four coming, um, they, they might need to police a bit more effectively or thoroughly, then the regional government will ask the councils to get that policy local out. They can involve the councils in that way. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to accessing medical records or medical appointments or liaising between health centres and regional health departments, there is no mechanism for the councils to be involved. The, the message is categoric. This is nothing to do with the council. Yeah. Where yeah. people have managed to get some sort of council involvement, these are exceptions. Mm -hmm. And they've been very lucky. Um, but yeah. it, it is not something that we can ever say anybody else to be able to replicate this, even if they did the same thing. Yeah, and, and it doesn't mean that one council is less open to its foreign resident population, because in general, we are talking about, I mean, anyone who's born in Spain generally is registered on the Spanish health system. It's just kind of, exactly. it's almost automatic once you're born. Exactly. Um, but it's, this isn't discrimination by any council. It's not an active form of, we don't want to, to know about your issues. It is just the way the system is working, in particular from your experience here in the Canary, Canary Islands, that, as you say, there is the, this the reason gap. I, yes, 
Yes, there is a gap. And the, and the reason I mentioned the word discrimination, actually, because I, some regions of Spain have found ways of incorporating this particular category of person. And since they have found a way, obviously ways are capable of being found. And the Canarian government needs to find a way to, it, it's got a lot of people here in this category. Possibly we are one of the regions of Spain with the highest number in this category. Elderly people, relatively well off, with private insurance, you know, baby boomers, if you like, that generation, and they want the vaccine. They're in their seventies. They have never wanted to be in the private, in the, in the state healthcare system because they've never needed to be. Yeah, they yeah. weren't actually to be. And these are the people who might be able to think of undertaking some sort of class action, for example, to see if there's some sort of legal mechanism to get them inscribed in the regional health system. Who? It's in I all mean, our it, it's an idea. Would you need a, a lawyer? Would you need somebody to lead it legally? Because it would also have to be taken urgently, wouldn't it? Yes, it would. And this is one of the problems. Another potential avenue is there, there is an office of, um, I suppose you'd call it the patient's rights ombudsman. Okay. Um, and it, it's the Oficina de Defensor de los Derechos de los Usuarios Sanitarios, it's something like that. It's the Office of the Defense of the Rights of, of Patients Using the Health Service. And what they could do, there's a link, I put it on yesterday on my website, they, they okay. could actually try a complaint or a request to be temporarily inscribed in, in the Canarian, in Sanidad Canarias. Yes, this, because it, it does seem to be that any, any official <clears throat> Complaints now need to be directed not to local councils, but to the regional health service. And I the think it's government. only fair to the councils to say this is not a this is not a problem of the councils making. It is not a problem the councils can solve. No. Can't, the councils are not doing anything wrong here. The no. councils have no. no mechanism. I'll criticise the councils when they deserve it, as I have with the policy of locales sometimes. But in this respect, there is no blame. They they can't do anything. Yeah, this I is mean, a, they, this is. Uh, they're, they're, it's not like, like I said before, it's not that they're disinterested or reject, rejecting their local foreign non-registered health no. service population. No. It's just they don't have no. a, any mechanism. They don't have a role. They don't have a role. No. Okay. I mean, in general, the vaccine rollout seems to be going well. Um, I mean, there was that call last I? week. Oh, yes. Tell me about you. How are you, darling Janet? <laughs> um, I, I am fine now. Um, I, I had a call and we, I went off to get my vaccination at Almohan and- Last you Tuesday. Me. It was last Tuesday. And yes, it was. And you approach the main entrance and there's a sign directing you to a little building off to the left. You don't actually go in the main entrance, but just in front of the main entrance, you go to the left and, and, and then you go in and they ask you, have you had, you know, have you had chemo in the last week? Have you got any allergies? Have all the usual sorts of questions they, mm -hmm. they ask. And then they ask which arm you use the most. And oh. then they give you the injection in the other one. That's clever. So that, and, and, and within 24 hours, you understand why, because you, <laughs> because you can't use. <laughs> it, it felt like an entire cricket team had taken their backs to my arm. Oh dear. <laughs> 
Okay, thing. so listen, <laughs> few, few questions then. First of all, would you need to bring a translator if you didn't speak Spanish? Would it be advisable to bring someone who spoke Spanish? I, I personally don't think so. I, I think it's basic enough that people will be able to manage. I, I also wonder whether it would even be possible to take a translator in. Ah, okay. Most of the stuff, most of the stuff there, I mean, you're going into a little room and there's already two people in it and it's a very small room. Okay, so it's I, on I your own. I, th I would have thought very much it's on your own, but most of them have at least a smattering of the English they need to ask okay. the questions that are relevant. And are you allowed to drive home afterwards or did they ask you whether you had someone to drive you home? They didn't ask and you are allowed. The only requirement they give is that you must, um, on pain of death, you have to go and sit in a room for a quarter of an hour. Okay. Um, uh, just in case, I suppose, you have an immediate reaction. Okay. They, they are very clear that you can expect a reaction. In fact, they hope you get a reaction because it shows an immunity is being generated. Okay. If there's no reaction, then presumably you, you can't be certain that an immunity is being generated. But they say that between 10 and 24 hours, you can expect to feel some sort of reaction and then it probably will just fade away and stop. Okay. But not to expect anything for about 10 hours, but go and sit in that room over there for the first quarter of an hour before you go home. And so everybody goes and sits down for a quarter of an hour and goes home. And it was about nine hours and 45 minutes before I started feeling a little bit, <laughs> felt a little bit hot and a little bit sweaty and then a little bit achy and then my arms started hurting. And it was like that for a good day. Okay, how did, what did you have, a cup of tea? I mean, do they say take paracetamol, take, they are you did like just say, take regular painkillers? Oh, clearly, the, the, the fuss about paracetamol, I tell you, they say take it before, take one gram of paracetamol before the vaccination, which is normally about um, paracetamol because they're normally 500 milligram yeah. tablets. So take two before. Um, but apparently other countries are saying take them after. <laughs> so all I can say is that in Tenerife, in my particular case, they said take one or take one gram before the vaccination and then take no more than eight in a 24 hour period when symptoms start, if you feel the need for them okay. to help, to help, you know, create a degree of comfort during any reaction that you might have to the vaccine but that's all if symptoms persist after that then obviously one should get a doctor but uh, yeah I mean, and I think I seem to fulfill the paradigm of, of you know 10 hours that's when it starts 24 hours that's when it's over basically. and if there are symptoms that are beyond what what would be considered normal in your own personal experience as well obviously you ring 012 which is the emergency number yes absolutely the, yeah. the reaction symptoms they talk about are exactly what I got. It, you feel hot, you feel achy, you feel very tired and you have to go to bed. You feel like you've got a bad case of flu. Okay. And um, it affects your taste in some odd way. I, I couldn't bear anything other than the sweetest things. And I don't normally have a sweet tooth. No. So it really affects your sense of taste. And then, and your arm around the site of the vaccination becomes rather sore. Okay. But there are some people who say they had virtually no, you yeah. know, a bit of a headache, felt a bit weary, a bit of a sore arm, a couple of hours and they were fine. So, so it's quite a range there of reaction. Quite. 
but you're happy now. You, I mean, you say it only lasted 24 hours and you, you're feeling okay now? Absolutely. And it, it's taken until today for my arm to feel completely comfortable. Okay. But I wouldn't say it's caused me any problem over the last four days. It's just been, I wouldn't have wanted to bang it <laughs> yeah, over I, the I last four days. After playing your, your tennis game now and the absolutely with, with absolutely. the chickens. <laughs> <laughs> and they do say that after the second one, um, there should be no reaction at all because the the work of generating an immune reaction has already been done okay. with the first. And do you have a date for the second? Do they give you a date or just a roundabout? Roundabout. They they said um, end of June, beginning of July. If you haven't heard by mid July, call her one two. Oh, okay. So I mean, and you know, easy, very, quick, very well well carried out. Absolutely. I was there for about half an hour in total, about a quarter of an hour involved in waiting outside for a couple of minutes only, then seeing the person processing the data and showing my ID and answering a few preliminary questions, then going to the door, going in, being asked which arm do you use and any allergies hmm. and all the rest of it, having the vaccine, quarter of an hour wait, go home. It couldn't be easier. Everybody was very friendly. And the one thing I've noticed over the last year, really, not that I've spent my life in the hospital over the last year, but whenever I have been, everybody's so relaxed at the moment because there are no crowds there. Everything is streamlined. There's distancing. Everything is by appointment. Every yeah. single thing. Yeah. And so everybody seems to be quite a lot more relaxed than they usually are. Mm -hmm. And what interested me, actually, because last week we saw they put out a call for people born between 1955 and 1958, I think it was. Um, and because I was curious about this. So they seem to be going by year of birth rather than your current actual age, which is interesting. Yes. Um, because yes. I mean, I, so it means I, I possibly will not qualify for the AstraZeneca because I will be 60 this year. Um, so, and I hope so. I'm, you know, the sooner I get vaccinated, the, the easier I'll feel. Exactly. I mean, all of these vaccines are approved. They, some of them work in different ways to others, but I mean, they are approved. And if nothing else, they reduce any, the severity of any infection you do get. Yeah. There, there, there's, no, there's no downside, I, I don't see. Yeah, that, that 012 thing is for those born between 1952 and 1955. As you, but we have established, haven't we already, that even in that case, even though it is a ringer one too, we've got bags of AZ to dish out, private patients still can't avail yeah. themselves of yeah. it. Which is what we're about. Listen, I mean, I know anybody listening to this will be probably throwing up their hands in despair if they're in that group. You and I are no experts. We're not medical people. We don't work in the health centre. But we have some contacts, as do a small group of other people that we know on the island who are kind of in the game with us. All we can say to people is we are actually every single day sending out emails, contacting people, phoning up, trying to yes. get information or resolution on this. Now, I'm not Absolutely. saying to anybody, therefore, bear with us. But the minute we have any change in the information, we'll be letting people know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is not something we are unaware of. We are very aware of it and very concerned about it because some of these people have done as as i said earlier they have followed all the rules and the system requires them to have private medical insurance it does not require them to be registered in the health service therefore the system should be able to give them a vaccine that yeah. spain wants them to have 
and it is that simple and we are working on this and whether we'll find a solution I don't know but the other avenue of course is the foreign office is also itself working on this trying to get information actively from the connect as as soon as we have any information it'll be everywhere we'll plaster it everywhere all right Janet we're nearly out of time um but I woke up and I was listening to Radio 4 this morning and I heard something and I thought I have to tell Janet this because it's hugely relevant so I haven't read the full story but apparently there is now an allegation from the Swedish delegation from the year ABBA won the Eurovision that the English vote was deliberately skewed because they thought that Waterloo was their greatest competition and that's just I'm appalled I am as well. How terrible is that? <laughs> Absolutely appalled. I tell you, the UK entry this year is actually doing better than I, I would have expected to see it do, because to me, it, it, it's really not that great. But yeah. it, it's sort of what, midway up the, the betting odds at oh, the moment. Really People seem to like it. I mean, I, I'm probably in a, a decreasing group of fans, but I just still love Iceland. And um, I know it is a good one. It's very, it's very just good. ridiculously lovely. And it's a very simple, yes, fun is. melody. So can Absolutely. we go out on Iceland today? Yes. Can we do that? Is that okay? We have been, we've only been doing this for one year, not 10, but let's do it. 10 years now. <laughs> oh, well, that's well, clever you. Okay. So we just take away the zero and we will use today's Today's anniversary celebrations will be courtesy of the Iceland Eurovision Song Contest entry. Absolutely. Dance with Dathi. Uh, see, I was going to say I wouldn't even try to actually pronounce the name, but there you go. You've done it. <laughs> that vaccine has more power than you know. <laughs> I have been chipped. <laughs> been chipped, jagged, and you're, you're, you're up there registered with the world <laughs> gagging. Whatever, whatever, the World Jagging Organization. Janet, we shall shall leave our listeners with some silliness from Iceland and talk again. They'll be glad to see the back of us today, I imagine. (laughs) Well, I won't be listening to any more of that lot. Two old biddies withering on about vaccinations and the Eurovision. (laughs) Absolutely. Bye, everybody. Bye. We've been together for a decade now Still every day I'm loving you more If I could do it all again I'd probably do it all the same as before I don't wanna know what would have happened if I never had had your love I didn't become myself before I met you I don't wanna know what would have happened if I never had had your love Everything about you Now we can take it slow That takes some time Takes a little time to take a little time Temptations likewise How does it keep getting better? Just when I thought that my heart was full, I found places that I never explored. 
Got